morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Michael Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter, at MikeFChen. Follow the show page as well, at Big Ten MM. It is Tuesday, February 4, 2020, and it is the day before signing day, which means there should be a lot of action, a lot of commitments, a lot of something, a lot of nothing, pretty much. Because, as we all have seen, the early signing period has really taken all of the luster away from the first Wednesday of February. And it makes sense. It does. When you look at the grand scheme of things that schools want to get their commits locked up, signed, either on campus already. Uh, many players have already enrolled and are on campus getting ready for spring ball working out getting into the weight room with their strength coaches getting with the dietitians etc so the luster is kind of gone but there's still going to be some drama tomorrow i'm sure and as the day goes along i'll clearly you know mark it track it and then give you a full report as to what the hell went on on thursday morning so tomorrow is clearly going to be a bigger day but we'll see we will see. All right, there was a few things that happened yesterday. Uh, it turns out that Minnesota commit Dylan Gill is going to end up gray shirting. And if you don't know what gray shirting is, gray shirting means that he will enroll on campus. He will not be a scholarship athlete in his first year. It's so different from a red shirt. A red shirt is when you're a scholarship athlete and you are on scholarship, you just don't participate. Well, a gray shirt means that he's going to pay his way Typically, it's usually your first quarter or first semester that you're on campus, so you're technically not a scholarship athlete. Uh, you go through the football season, and then come January when school resumes after winter break, usually that's when you're put on scholarship, and you're counted towards the next class. It's pretty much a way to bank a scholarship for a player that they like, but a player that they can't fit in under the 85 scholarship rule. So that's exactly what's going to happen for McGill. However, news came out yesterday that corner Keandre Thomas is going to leave. So P.J. Flex is going to have to replace Thomas. Also, when you look at things, they lost Antoine Winfield Jr. He declared early for the NFL draft. So that secondary is looking a little thin for Minnesota. It's starting to thin out a little bit. We'll see who ends up replacing who, but they're losing two players that contributed enough. Penn State's also losing a corner as well to the transfer portal as DJ Brown has entered. Brown really didn't play too much during his three years at Penn State for James Franklin, so this is seen as a move to get him some playing time before he ultimately tries to move on to the next level, so it'll be interesting to see where Brown ends up. Wisconsin added quarterback Daniel Wright, uh, Wright as he flipped from Division II Sioux Falls. He's going to be a walk-on. The reason why I brought this one up, and normally I don't really uh, harp on walk-ons much, is that there are walk-ons that come in and are big-time performers. You're looking at a quarterback, uh, number one overall draft pick by the Cleveland Browns two years ago in Baker Mayfield, uh, J.J. Watt from Wisconsin. He was a, a walk-on. And then you're looking at... The defensive end for Michigan State, Kenny Willekes, 
He was a walk-on. He's going to be in the NFL as well. He'll get drafted at some point in time this year. But, you know, it remains to be seen about right. It, the nice thing is, though, is that there's going to be a little bit of depth. Uh, you know, they, they're – I'm sorry, Wisconsin – uh, they, they've got some guys there, you know, Jack Cohen returns, Graham Mertz is there, but, you know, nice to get some depth and add on to the quarterback room. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what ends up happening with Wright because, you know, like I said, there's there's times where, you know, you're looking at a, a quarterback that just is not necessarily a top-level prospect but has the attributes and get recruited very much and ultimately ends up helping the team. So we'll see. Uh, I think that most likely you're going to see Jack Cohen go into spring ball with the job. Graham Mertz is going to push him. I thought Mertz should have taken the job at the beginning of the year, but you know Cohen played well enough where that he showed that you know job's not quite the freshman's quite yet. Uh, Mertz ended up redshirting, uh, played in a couple of games, but love the new redshirt rule that allows players to get into four games, four complete games if they need to, and still retain that red shirt. I really like it, and I think that that is something that the NCAA has done a good job of alternating because previously they were on almost you know, four quarters of play to really get their feet wet, and I think this way, much more beneficial for the student-athlete. All right, NFL.com's Chad Reader did a three-round mock draft. We're starting to see bigger mock drafts, and this is where you really get into the minutia of things because in the first round, that's that top-level talent. Then you're starting to get the second round where it's good talent but not that elite, elite talent. Then you're looking at the third round where teams are filling needs. So we'll start off with Washington selecting at number two, Chase Young. No surprise there. Jeff Okuda is taken third by Detroit. Again, Two Buckeyes have been rumored to go to those teams pretty much since the beginning of mock drafts coming out when they declared for the NFL draft. A.J. Epinesa has jumped up and down between slots anywhere as high as in the top 10, as low as in the mid-20s. This one, Reader has him falling at 16 to the Falcons. He's got another defensive end in Penn State's Etor Grossmatos going to Buffalo at 22. Tristan Wirfs, the second Iowa Hawkeye at 27 would get selected. The offensive tackle go to Seattle. At 28, Wisconsin linebacker Zach Bond is projected to go to Baltimore. Cesar Ruiz makes an appearance in the first round. Going to Kansas City, the final pick, the NFL Super Bowl champions would select Ruiz. And again, with me, I've always said this, and I'll continue to say it, that if you're an underclassman and if you are declaring for the NFL draft, you damn sure better be a first or second round pick. If not, stay in school, see if you can improve your draft stock. And Well, according to Reader, it looks like Ruiz has made the right decision by going to the NFL draft early. Starting off in the second round at 37, Purdue's tight end Bryson Hopkins projected to go to the Chargers. At 40, J.K. Dobbins would go to the Cardinals. The Arizona needs running backs, although I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case. Kenyon Drake is going to be a free agent, and he actually tore it up in their trade prior to when they acquired 
him from Miami. So it'll be interesting to see there. They still have David Johnson too, but I'm not sure David Johnson quite fits into what Cliff Kingsbury's offense would be. Moving on to 45, Tampa Bay would select Jonathan Taylor, the talented Wisconsin running back, former Wisconsin running back. At 53, Philadelphia would pick Antoine Winfield Jr., the corner from Minnesota. At 58, K.J. Hamler's turn to get picked, if Reader is correct, at Minnesota. The wide receiver would go out there and be surrounded by some other very talented wide receivers as well. At 59, right behind him, Ohio State linebacker Zach Harrison. I'm sorry, uh, Malik Harrison. Uh, Zach Harrison's there. Young defensive end, I'm sorry. Uh, Malik Harrison would get selected at 59. Starting into the third round, Miami would select at 70, Ben Bredesen, Michigan's offensive guard. At 76, another Wolverine in linebacker, Jess Uche, projected to the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Just kidding. They are the Buccaneers. At 77, defensive tackle from Penn State, Robert Windsor, projected to Denver. At 78, Lamar Jackson, the corner. Not that Lamar Jackson. The corner from Rutgers at 78 to Atlanta. You've got the Rams selecting Jonah Jackson, the offensive guard from Ohio State, the transfer from Rutgers. This selection is a little bit odd here. At 85, Philly would select Tyler Biotish. Biotish has had his name bandered around the first round a lot. Typically, you've seen Biotish in the first round, not in the third round. So this would be an absolute steal if he was to end up at 85th overall to the Eagles. Wow, what a steal that would be. At 95, Denver uh, would select K.J. Hill is what Reader projected, the Ohio State wide receiver. Uh, broke some records this past year, most catches in a career, and a story career. You know, it's pretty quiet when you look at what he did overall. Moving on to the hardwood. The conference weekly awards were announced yesterday. And it was a Maryland Terrapin along with the Michigan Wolverine taking home honors this past week. We'll start off with the player of the week and Anthony Cowan Jr., Maryland's talented guard. The senior had 31 points and six assists, six boards in their win against Iowa in College Park. Very impressive week for Cowan. 31 points. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it to him. That's, a, that's quite an impressive line right there. And then moving on to the freshman of the week, you have Franz Wagner from Michigan, uh, the freshman 6'9 guard, although I would say he's more of a small forward. Averaged 14 points, 7 boards, 1.5 assists, and a block in both the games that Michigan had this past weekend, both wins. So kind of interesting not to see Kofi Coburn here as the freshman player of the week because he's pretty much owned it, and uh, at some point in time I believe they're going to rename this award to the Coburn player of the week. But uh, he didn't get it. Surprising. All right. The college basketball rankings were redone yesterday. Week 14. There is one team now in the top 10 for the conference, and that's Maryland. They are checking in at 9. And who the hell knows how good Maryland actually is. They are up and down all over the place. We'll see. But the pollsters like them. Both the AP and the college had Maryland at 9. 
You've got Michigan State checking in at 16 in the AP, 14 in the coaches. Iowa is 17 in the AP, and also same as the coaches. You have the Fighting Illini dropping a spot in the AP to 20. Coaches have them at 21. And then, unfortunately, Rutgers dropped out. Uh, they're right there in getting votes along with Ohio State. So they're, they're you know, a top 30 team. Uh, I think that they will 100% make the tournament. And it'll be interesting to see because there's a lot of Big Ten teams, I think, that can make the tournament. I think a lot of them. And when you look at some of the other rankings, say the Ken Palm, they're going to be in it. They're going to be in that top 60, top 64 range, which pretty much means that you should be getting a berth to the NCAA tournament. You should be. We'll see come selection Sunday, but I do believe that there's going to be a whole hell of a lot of Big Ten names called on that Sunday. And that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show's site as well at Big Ten MM. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Tuesday, Big Ten fans. Talk to you on signing day tomorrow morning.